Welcome to the GB News Real Me podcast. I'm Gloria DiPiero. Now, we all have views on politics and politicians, but aside from the spin and the knockabout, who are they? What makes them tick? What's their life story? And why have they chosen a life in politics? That's what the Real Me podcast is all about. We hope you enjoy a very different type of political interview. Today I'm talking to West Streeting, the Labour MP for Ilford North and the Shadow Health and Social Care Secretary. A patron of LGBT plus Labour, Wes is also a passionate advocate of equal education opportunities, a passion which comes from his own experience growing up on a council estate and becoming the first person in his family to go to university. In 2021, Wes experienced quite the health scare when he was diagnosed with early stage kidney cancer. He's since made a full recovery. I asked him about his experience overcoming cancer and how he remained positive during the scare. This all started back in March when I went into hospital for um, kidney stones. So I went in with chronic pain and, you know, was seen for that and was being let out. And then as I was leaving, they sort of said, well, the urologists have seen something on the kidney. It's probably nothing to worry about, your age, your health, it will all be fine. But we just want to, you know, reassure ourselves and reassure you. So like, yeah, no problem. And then sort of... Scans went on and I think probably my anxiety sort of started to rise as they're doing more and more scans. And then in early April, I got a diagnosis saying it was kidney cancer. Um, But the one thing that sort of kept me positive all the way through is that they caught it early. So thanks to those lucky kidney stones, they caught it early, had an operation, so no chemotherapy, no radiotherapy. Still a bit of an emotional roller coaster, but um, yeah, I mean, given this was you know, March when I first went into hospital and now we're kind of what, you know, end of summer, you know, yeah. autumn, it, it, it's, not, it's actually quite a short space of time really to go through, you know, diagnosis, treatment, recovery, but I'm back and fighting fit and cancer free. Tell me about the moment when they, where were you when they told you you've got kidney cancer? Because that must have been <laughs> yeah. such, were you on your own or were you with your partner? I was at a car park in Bury, so I was out campaigning <laughs> Um, for the Labour Party, we had the local elections back in May and I was doing a sort of campaign tour around the country. I was Shadow Schools Minister at the time, so I was going around the country campaigning for Labour candidates and I was deliberately going to constituencies where we'd lost at the recent general election. So Berry did have a Labour MP, my good mate James Frith, and now got a Conservative MP. So I went to Berry to campaign with James and um, I, was, I got the phone call a couple of hours earlier than I was expecting. So there I was in this freezing cold car park looking at the dark sky because it was just about to chuck it down with snow and hail and, and all the rest of it. And the, um, the doctor phoned early and sort of said, oh, um, you know, we've got some difficult cases after this. I hope you don't mind I'm ringing you early and we'll get this one out of the way. So I'm instantly thinking, oh, great, this is, must be good news then. It's, uh, this is an yeah. easy call. But um, it was only easy in the sense that it was a cancer diagnosis and he was giving me the bad news. And, um, and uh, you know, it, it, it was a shock, but... At the time when you get the something like that, I mean, I didn't sort of break down anything. In fact, I was cracking jokes, so um, I won't say exactly what I said because I'm not sure you'd be able to broadcast it. It involved delivering a certain sandwich quite well because he sort of said, you know, you've got cancer, but you're young. You know, you're going to have an operation, but you're going to be okay. So all of that was genuinely reassuring. But you don't really take all this stuff in. So I'm sort of in a bit of a daze. My mates start knocking on the car window, being like, oh, yeah, we're here, we're just over here. And I'm like, yeah, great, I'll see you shortly. So I was kind of going through this sort of, you know, 
internal roller coaster. And the last thing I wanted to do, having not spoken to my family and and partner, is is sort of get out the car and be like, oh hi everyone, just want to know I've just got cancer. So I just put a brave face on it and went out knocking on doors. And there's, you know, if you look at my Twitter feed, you'll see this ridiculous video of me out with like my hair is like turning white with hailstones and I was sort of saying here I am in snowy berry and we're calling in all weathers and I just got on with it and um and that's the way I dealt with you know m- most of the period up until the operation was just knocking on doors with Labour can- campaigners and candidates none of whom knew I had this diagnosis and it was almost like um you know work you know not work avoidance I was working really hard but it was more like um kind of distraction deflection displacement, displacement yeah um, so that's how I kind of got got on with it, was just focus on my job and try and put the worry to one side. Gosh, well, we're glad uh, that you're well now. Um, so you are 38. You were born in Stepney, Stepney in London. Yeah, I'm an East Ender. <laughs> in a council flat. Yeah. Um, were you poor? Oh, God, yeah. Um, I mean, there's... Uh, I mean, you'll, you'll know this from having been in Parliament as well. You know, in terms of the stereotypical MP and backgrounds... And I'm not knocking people who've been born into comfort and, you know, decent life chances, because that's what we want for everyone, right? But, um, you know, I grew up on a council estate in Tower Hamlets, um, which at the time, I mean, you know, had a reputation for both high levels of poverty and sink schools. And Tower Hamlets schools were, by, you know, byword for educational failure. Born to parents, my, you know, my mum and dad were um, about to turn 18 and 19 when I was born. So I think I'm what's technically described as an accident. And um, their relationship obviously didn't last, unsurprisingly, um, given their age. And um, so my mum was bringing me up by herself. He spent my weekends with my dad. So, you know, I didn't have an absentee father. He was always there for me. And in fact, I went to live with my dad in my teenage years. Um, and, but things, you know, things were hard for my mum. I mean, you know, she was having to, although we had the family network around, you know, my aunts and grandparents, my dad, um, it was really hard for her because she was juggling trying to bring up a kid. She'd left school with no qualifications herself. And, um, you know, the benefit system put food in the fridge a lot of the time. And, you know, have, you know, remember things like, you know, the electric meter running out and the emergency supply going and then sitting in darkness or, um, you know, being too embarrassed to invite friends around from school because you're embarrassed about where you live. Really interesting. One thing that you said early on in the answer, actually, was that you don't, um, you don't hold any grudge. You didn't put it quite like this, but any grudge about somebody that was born with a silver spoon in their mouth. Really? Is there no class envy? In oh, the I have politics? a bit of a chip on my shoulder sometimes. <laughs> I do. No, sometimes I have a chip on my shoulder. I have a chip on my shoulder when people make judgments about people they just don't understand. And like, take the, the Tory party is a really good example of this. I'm not one of these Labour people who says the Tories are all evil and they're trying to plunge kids into poverty and they are just in it because they are like kind of, you know, Disney villains, pantomime villains who are just in it because they're wicked. Um, the Tory MPs I know are people who are also in Parliament because they believe in um, serving their country and they want to make it a better place, but we've got different ideas about how to do it. Mm. But they do drive me up the wall because often they are making decisions without fully understanding the consequences and understanding what life is like for a lot of people. So take this universal credit cut that's coming up and this is going to really hurt working families. It's meant to be like a working benefit and it is taking away 20 quid a week. I mean, MPs would not miss 20 quid a week. If someone was taking 20 quid out of 
um, an MP's wallet every week, I doubt they'd notice bluntly. But for these families, 20 quid is a hell of a lot of difference. And I think if you've lived that kind of life, if you've seen, as I have, you know, my mum in tears because she's, you know, not able to pay the bills, she's worried about the financial pressure, it gives you a different kind of understanding. And I think that's sometimes what the, the Tories miss. You're a gay man. Yep. Tell me about when you came out. So I didn't actually come out until my second year at university, partly because, um, you know, in, in, uh, going back to school, you know, it was not a welcome or inclusive place to be gay. And in fact, a lot of the bullying that existed in the school always had a homophobic dimension to it. It was partly a religious thing. You know, I, I grew up as a Christian. I went to Christian primary and secondary school. And although my parents weren't massively religious when I was growing up, my granddad was, and I took a lot of my Christianity from him. So it's a big kind of like, you know, is it okay? Will I, you know, will I be accepted? Is this, is this right with my religion? Um, so it took me a long time to sort of accept myself. And, and I think it's funny because, um, you know, a lot of people's kind of, on this kind of nature-nurture debate, do you choose to be gay, you're born gay? A lot of people spend a hell of a lot of time desperately trying not to be gay. And I was one of those people. So I spent years and years and years trying not to be gay, um, which, which, you know, must have been very confusing for the girlfriends I had in sixth form when I later came out. Um, but um, no, I came out my second year at university and actually that was the right time for me. And I met the right person and I had the right group of friends who were just so supportive. And it was, it was a liberating experience. I remember like waking up the next day having told like two of my close friends that, you know, I was gay and it, I just felt this weight off my shoulders and it suddenly felt for the first time I was comfortable in my own skin and, and it's, you know, it's taken me a little while on the religious front but, you know, um, I'm, I'm, I feel kind of as sure as I can be that this is who I was born as and this is who I am and this is who I'm meant to be and, you know, it's not for other people to judge me anyway. I know there are different religious viewpoints on this and different social attitudes, but I think there's a fundamental thing about not judging other people, accepting them for who they are. And as, you know, as I say to people who do have very strong opposite religious views on this, well, look, eventually we'll all find out, but it's God's place to judge me, not you. So, um, yeah, yeah. Um, much happier and comfortable. A lot of people think you're going to be the leader of the Labour Party. You, you're a future leader of the Labour Party, that you are, have all the qualities that it takes. Well, there's two things I say. One is we've got a really good one. And I'm not just saying that because he's my boss and was, has actually been really good to me, particularly while I've been off with cancer. But I think in Keir Starmer, we have genuinely got the best candidate for prime minister this country's had in the last 11 years. And I know you're giving me this look to say, you're dodging my question. <laughs> I, I've, I've seen this happen before as a, as a former politician. But no, I, but I genuinely mean that. And I want to make that point because, um, you know, being leader of the Labour Party, I mean, Keir said it during the World Cup. It's a bit like being manager of the England football team. Everyone thinks they can do a better job. And I think what people are seeing with Keir is that it is a bloody difficult job leading the Labour Party and being leader of the opposition, let alone doing it during a global pandemic. But I do think he is a lot different from any candidate we fielded since we left office, since we left government mm. in terms of experience, integrity. Um, and I think if people are cynical, all I'd say is kind of just give them a second look and give the Labour Party a second look. Um, and I, I want to do everything I can to support him, and I'm really happy to be in the shadow cabinet because okay. it gives you a Do you feel flattered when stuff. people say that you're a future Labour leader? I mean, it's natural, isn't it? No one you say, really say that about me. I feel, it's, it, to be honest, it's like it's uncomfortable because <laughs> um, for a couple of reasons. Like One is like Westminster is just littered with the corpses of future <laughs> leaders. You know, like It's almost like a kiss of death, and you think about some of the people who've been listed as future leaders in, in Labour's recent history. They're, they're not even MPs any longer. 
In fact, you've, I'm sure you've had this, right? You've had this. I'm, I'm sure I remember people saying, oh, Gloria to Pierre, she's one to watch future leader, rising star. The corpse, you've had the all corpse these, is, 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 is back. And of course, like, when you're a politician, like, of course there's a certain I wasn't as good of, as you. No, I mean, no, no. I'm being honest, I'm but, being honest. But, you know, when you're, when, you're, when you're a politician, of course there's a, you know, because in, in some respects, politics... Um, you know, you have to be popular. You have to be popular to win an election. That, that, that's the whole way in which you get to do stuff. So, of course, you want people saying nice things about you, but it was also uncomfortable and brings with it a ba some baggage, brings with it resentment from other people who are like, oh, what's so special about him? So, you know, that's why I like, I'm just going to bat this, bat this off as hard as I possibly can in this interview. OK, um, final question then. What do people get wrong about you? Are there misconceptions, preconceptions that people... Oh, God, have? how long have you got? Um, <laughs> So, I mean, like in the Labour Party, I mean, people would be like, oh, God, he's so right wing. He's like basically a Tory. It's like, do you know what? If I was really a Tory careerist, there'd be a really great way to have a career right now, which is joining the Conservative Party, because history shows they are in government far longer than Labour. And looking at the current crop of the cabinet, if you're any good, you'll get in there pretty quick. Or in fact, I think the Tory party's problem is that there are lots of good people who aren't in the cabinet. But that's their problem, not ours. Um, you know, I, I'm... You know, I'm in the Labour Party because I believe in Labour values. I'm motivated by equality and social justice. I want this country to be a fairer place. But I, I also think that partly because of the sort of constituency I represent, which was marginal, we won it from the Tories and I spend a lot of time talking to people. We've switched from voting Conservative to Labour, partly because of my own background. You know, part of my working class family is, you know, my mum's family, very Labour, dad's family, very working class Tory. So I understand that perspective and I understand what it takes to win an election. So... You know, uh, to be honest, like the thing that frustrates most about the Labour Party is we just talk about ourselves all the time. And I think the country is like bored. It's like, why don't you talk about us and our issues? And when you've got, when you look like you're serious about talking about the things we care about and you can actually give us a credible team and a credible plan, we'll consider voting for you again. And that's why when people say, oh, the next election, oh, it's a right off, isn't it? And the mountain's too high. And Keir Starmer, well, he's just transition, isn't he? It's like anyone who's thinking that, you know, especially if they're sort of, you know, Labour MPs, get out of the way because we've got to we've got to win back the voters, we've got to win back trust, and we've got to win back power. And you only do that when you sort of pull together. And I think we have got a good, credible team, and we're developing. We're still work in progress, but we're developing policies that I think can win people back but it's going to be a big team effort and I think we've got a better chance in the long time because I think we've, we are breaking out of that kind of ideological dogma of the we're fur, further hard left where we've been and we're getting back to the mainstream again and that's 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 the hope um, it's going to be hard but I think that's why it's important to talk to people um, from a whole range of channels and publications that we wouldn't normally be seen as having you know being natural labour places because how else are we going to win a general election otherwise? Well, Streeting, it's been a, a real pleasure, quite emotional at, at, at some of your stories actually, some of the, your life, your points in your life. No, it's nice you. to talk to you. Thanks for listening to the GB News Real Me podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. And you can join me every Monday to Thursday from midday live on GB News for The Briefing, your hour-long dose of political analysis.